Amen, amen, amen. How are we doing, church? Okay, that's good. That's good. I don't have to do it again. That's what I'm talking about. Well, my name is Pastor Zach. Uh, I have the privilege of really just doing whatever Pastor JP asks me to do. That's, that's my job, and it's an honor. Uh, I'm blessed to be a part of Oasis Church. Uh, it's a blast to do this thing called church. I promise. And so if you want to be a part of it, talk to one of us. We would love to get you connected to be able to serve here at Oasis. Uh, That was actually my dad who spoke uh, for a couple minutes on Love Chicago. So the apple does not fall too far from the tree, apparently, um, because I've honestly never heard him speak like that before. And that was awesome. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you for doing that. Um, Has anyone enjoyed this new series that we've been doing? Mind Matters. Uh, We are in week three now. It has been good. It has been really, really good. And this is such a powerful, powerful topic. Because the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy our minds. Just like Pastor JP has talked about week in and week out during this series, our mind is connected to our hearts. And the enemy wants nothing more than to attack us in our mind and in our heart. And so when he does that, he has direct access to who we are, what we believe, how we live. And so two weeks ago, Pastor JP talked about being hidden behind the cross. There's power in the cross. When Jesus took on that cross, the cross that you and me, you and I deserved, he took on our sin, he took on our shame, and he set it away. He defeated it. It no longer has a hold of us. So we can be hidden behind the cross and be set free and live victoriously without any shame. And then last week, he talked about a man who decided not to listen to the people around him. He decided to follow his Savior, his King. And of course, Jesus exceeded expectations just like he always does. And he did the miraculous for this man. And I, you know what? It's time for us as a church to say thank you, but no thank you to the voices of this world because Jesus says that we are wonderful, that we are beautiful, and that he has placed dreams and visions and incredible things in our hearts that we get to chase after because of him. And no one can shut us down. No one has any say in that except for Jesus. And so tonight, we're in in week three of the Mind Matters series, and the title of this message is Our Heavy Burden. Our Heavy Burden. And so we're going to be jumping into the book of Romans. Has anyone read the book of Romans before? Let me go ahead and open it up. But the book of Romans is... It's one of my favorite books because it's powerful, number one, but because of the way that it is written. So a little bit of background on this specific book. Paul writes it to, you guessed it, the church in Rome, and he, he writes to them because not that they are this huge church, that they're exploding, but that they're just getting started. And the reason that it's kind of taking a little while, it's a little slow, is because they are in the hub of the Roman Empire, meaning that 
all of the Roman soldiers that weren't deployed were there. And Roman soldiers loved nothing more than destroying Christianity. That's what they were, really, that's why they were there, to make sure that Rome and everything that they wanted had its way. And so he had to be very, very precise in how he wrote this letter to these people. And now most of his letters are written in a very personal way. They're either written to one person or a group of people. But this, this is written in a different way. He takes more of a theological standpoint and talks about Christianity as a whole from beginning to end. And he gives the church in Rome this systematic presentation in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you, need, if you have questions about how to share the gospel, the book of Romans is a great place to look because it is powerful. And so I'm going to read. We're going to be in chapter 12. Uh, you might have heard these verses before because they are read a lot because they are good, good verses, and they speak true life into us. But starting in verse 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And then we're going to jump down to verse 9. And it says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, thank you that it is alive, that it is active, that we get to open it up and learn something new every single day. God, I pray that you would anoint this word, that it would be your words and not my own. Jesus, we are so grateful that we have something like this to go into and see how to live life. Thank you that we get to live life together. And God, I pray that you would just have your way tonight, open minds, open hearts to what you want to say. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Look at your neighbor to your left and say, our heavy burden. Okay, now look to your right and say, I'm sorry I didn't look at you first. And say, it's because Pastor Zach told me to look to my left. It's true, I did, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So I'm a, big, uh, I'm a big golfer. I love golf. Um, I'm not that great, mostly because I don't get to play that often. But I like to take confidence in that if I did play often, I could be pretty good, but I'm not, and it's okay. I still have fun doing it. And so this, this past September, 
for my birthday, my dad and I went golfing. And it was a lot of fun. It was a great time. I lost a lot of balls. And so it was worth it because I didn't have to pay, you know. So it, there's, it, there was a win in there somewhere because I didn't have to pay for the golf. It was, it was awesome. And there's this, there was this thing that happened on the very first hole that if we would have stopped playing golf after the first hole, it would have been worth it because of what took place. So we got there really early, and we, we got paired up with these two brothers. And so they were, they were nice, you know, they were good guys. And we teed off, and we get up to the first green. And now the first green was up on a hill. And so my dad and I were driving, and we go up the hill nice and easy. It was fine, no problem at all. And we stop at the top of the hill. We get off of our golf cart, and we go, and we're standing on the green, and we're waiting for one of the brothers. The other one has already joined us on the green. Well, we're not paying attention, and next thing you know, we hear, no, no, and we look, and this guy is halfway up the hill in his golf cart. Now, you would think that since there was less weight on the golf cart, it wouldn't have had any trouble getting up this hill, but... There were words that were coming out of this guy's mouth that I can't repeat to you because he was, you know, he was very angry. And so instead of just hitting the, get, the brake, he decides to jump out of the cart and attempt to push the cart up the hill. Now, golf carts are not light. You know, they have some weight to them. And so he, he, he lasts about four seconds trying to push this golf cart up this hill and just lets it loose. And just, it goes flying backwards down the hill. And somehow it maneuvers through like six trees and doesn't hit any of them until it stops. It was absolutely hysterical. And we could have stopped right there. We could have ended the golf round because of what had taken place during this encounter. And from then, honestly, for that guy, it just went all downhill because he just, he couldn't get, he couldn't get over that. Uh, that wasn't intentional. And I just realized it. <laughs> That's funny. But uh, yeah, it was, his round was, <laughs> it was rough and he, he struggled. But how many of you know that our minds, we, we try to hold on to these big things that we should just be letting loose. We should just be letting go of like this guy with the golf cart. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that someone has said defines you. Maybe it was a decision that you made in your past that people look at and go, no, but you did that, so that's who you are today. That defines you. Or, or maybe it's the, the struggles that, that try to control you. Maybe it's fear or anxiety or anger or depression. Or maybe it's an addiction, a stronghold, an insecurity. I don't, I don't know what it is in your life. But I'm telling you right now, as, as the church, it's time for us to say enough is enough. We need to start letting go of those things that are holding us back from the life that God has for us. And now, I, I, I truly believe that there are several reasons for why this happens, and it's so difficult for us to let go in our mind. But, but two of them stand out to me specifically. The first one 
is this. The functions of the mind are so unbelievably vast, it is extremely difficult, even in today's scientific world, to map how phenomenal it truly is. We can't do it because the mind only works when we're living, right? And so we can't go in there and just map out all the intricacies of our mind because then we would die. So we, we don't know how to do that. But I feel like as people, we then use that as an excuse for why we go back to the things of our past. We say, oh, I just, I can't shake it. I can't get away from it. And that's our reason for why we go back. And I have a definition of the mind from the World Wide Web. And so it's not some biblical thing. It doesn't have any theological understanding to it. It's just a simple definition. It says, the mind is a set of cognitive faculties, including consciousness, perception, thinking, judgment, and memory. It is usually defined as the faculty of an entity's reasoning and thoughts. It holds the power of imagination, recognition, and appreciation, and is responsible for processing feelings and emotions, resulting in attitudes and actions. That's the mind. That's crazy to me that all of that stuff takes place in our noggin. That's crazy that all of that happens right here. Our mind can control not just how we think, it controls how we talk, it controls how we treat people, it controls how we look at people, and that can dictate so much of what takes place in our life. And the second thing that I think makes it so difficult is the enemy uses our headspace and the intricacies and complexity it has against us. See, Satan doesn't have the authority to attack our hearts if we're followers of Jesus. If you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, that means he, he rules and reigns in your heart. And because of the cross, because of Jesus going to hell and taking back the keys to sin and death, and saying, you have no authority, he can't go after our hearts. Because wherever Jesus is, Satan has to bow. And so he can't go after us in our soul, in our heart, where we are as followers of Jesus. But he can go after our minds. He can plant little seeds. He can start to put little thoughts in our head that can cause us to go back, that can cause us to dwell on the things that we shouldn't. And then, because of that, our mind overrules our heart. It overrules what we are supposed to be doing, what we're called to do, what we feel that we should be doing. So let me, let me read that part of the definition again where it said it holds the power. It holds the power of imagination, recognition, and appreciation and is responsible for processing feelings and emotions, resulting in attitudes and actions. That's powerful. That's huge. Because your mind doesn't just dictate your attitude and your actions, but it dictates your reality. It dictates how you see things. It dictates how you react to things, how you respond to things. It changes who you are when you let your mind control everything. 
One thought, one thought can change you in an instant. Have you ever thought of that? All it takes is one thing. Because if you decide to dwell on that one thought, if you entertain that one thought, it can change who you are forever. And it could be good, but, but it could be bad. That's how powerful our mind can be. And I, you're probably sitting there like, wow, Zach, this is a super encouraging message. You're just really laying it in. It's good stuff. I'm really excited to take on my mind. It's going to be great. But don't you worry. We're going to get there. We will get there. And so let's look at, at that scripture again. It's no coincidence that, that Paul talks about giving all that we are as a living sacrifice directly before he talks about the mind. I don't believe that he would talk about something so significant before hitting something as heavy as the mind. And so Romans 12.1, hey, Joseph, can you throw... Uh, Romans 12.1, it's probably like the very first slide, yes. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Next, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. If we're going to be set free from the things of this world, we have to be willing to give them up. We can't, we can't walk around and say, man, I'm just, I'm really struggling with this. I'm really struggling with that. And then the, the question to respond to that is, well, what, why, are you, why are you struggling with it? What are you doing in your spare time? Well, I'm still doing this. I'm still doing that. I, I you know, I dabble in this stuff. Well, of course you're still going to struggle with something because you're not giving the things up that cause it. That's insanity to me. Like doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. That's crazy. And so when we say, okay, I want to be made new. I want to be transformed. It no longer becomes about you or me, but it becomes Christ in us. It becomes his mindset. It becomes his agenda. It becomes laying our lives down as a holy and pleasing sacrifice. So how, how do we become new? The definition of renewal is the act of reestablishing something in a like-new an often improved manner. I, I love how people get stuff and they try to, you know, improve it and renovate it and do all of these things. But I love when people do that with cars and they make the outside look incredible and they make it just perfect and it's beautiful, it's shiny, the rims look phenomenal, and yet. They didn't do anything to the inside of the car. And so you ask them, oh, so when are you going to take it out? Uh, I can't actually drive it because the engine doesn't work. What's the point of making it new then? What's the point of renovating something if it's only going to look good on the outside and still be absolutely nothing on the inside? So it has to be a decision in your heart to be made new. It can't be something that you say, 
but it has to be a complete surrender, mind, body, and spirit, that you are saying, God, here I am. I'm laying down all of me so that you can make me new, so that you can transform my mind, the way that I think, the way that I speak, the way that I look at things. Make me new. And you have to do it in confidence. You can't sit back and be like, okay, I'll do it. Like you're scared or something. No, it has to be, okay, God, Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Restore me. Set me free. Make me new. I want more of you. And once you give your mind to Christ and you let him begin to heal it and come in and break those chains that are holding you down, that's when it becomes a daily choice to renew your mind, to set your plans, your agenda to the side and say, God, use me. God, I want to be used by you. I want to do your will. And so I, I love the first part of, of this message when I, I was writing it because I was like, man, this is good stuff. Like, you know, you, never, you don't understand. But unless you're a pastor or you write messages, that's awesome. But when you, when you sit down and you write a message, you, you feel good. And then I realized, wait a second, it's a lot of good stuff that I'm saying, but how, how do we actually, how do we do this? And then I'm reading the Bible and it's like, oh, there it is. It's right there. And so we just continue in this same chapter, and Paul gives us these very specific steps on how to live this out every single day. And so there are just five things that, that stood out to me, and, and you can go back and read those seven verses, those eight verses again on your own, but these things really stand out to me. The first thing is this. We have to really love people. We can't just talk the talk. We have to walk the walk. We have to love people in our actions. It's really easy to say I love you to someone. It's a whole different ballgame when you say I love you in your actions, when you're willing to be there for them, and you're willing to lift them up and encourage them and do everything that you can to make them feel that love. The second thing is honoring each other. And so that is in your words. That's speaking life to people. That's encouraging them. That's congratulating them. That's being in their corner and doing whatever you need to do to make sure that they feel encouraged, feel accepted, feel like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. The third thing is serve the Lord enthusiastically. If you think that being a follower of Jesus is a hassle, you're probably not doing it right, <laughs> honestly, because when we serve the Lord, there is nothing more fulfilling than you can ever do in your life. There is nothing that brings more joy, that brings more life, that brings more hope, because it is the greatest thing that you could ever do. If it's not, you need to have a little convo with God and figure out what you're doing wrong, because he wants that to be something that gives life to you, not takes it away. The fourth thing is be willing to help those in need. If you don't have a servant's heart, well, <laughs> then just like Pastor JP talked about, you're selfish. That's a pride thing. Pride has no place 
as a follower of Jesus. It's as simple as that. And so our mindset always has to be to serve others, to love others, to help others, those who are in need, those who need us. And then the fifth thing is be present in the good times and the bad with others. It's really easy to celebrate, right? I mean, everybody loves a party. Everybody loves the good times, and it's great. But it, it's a whole different story when you're with someone during the difficult times, when the going gets tough, when you are standing firm with them, saying, it doesn't matter what's going on. I got your back. I'm here for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to encourage you because you got this. This is going to go away. It's just a season. God has got your back. When you're able to do that, that changes everything. And so the solution to being a living sacrifice and having a renewed mind is simple. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. We carry around these heavy burdens and all of these things that are holding us down because we can't shake them off simply since they're stuck in our mind and we don't stop thinking about them. We're constantly dwelling on these negative things, these things that are only bringing us pain and hurting us, rather than letting them go, letting them loose, and saying, God, here it is. Take it. Take it from me. And so two points tonight, and we're going to get out of here. Number one, stop carrying your burden. Jesus is waiting for your permission to take it. Jesus is waiting for your permission to take it. And I'm going to have my brother Alex come up here for a little demonstration. And uh, as, he's, as he's coming up here, could you just imagine for a second, if you could see the baggage and all of the negative stuff on other people, like just always see it wherever they're at, if you could see it on them. So I'm going to get on, on my brother's back here, so hold on for one second. Okay, so is, how you doing? I'm great. Good, okay. So you can walk around with me a little bit, you, you know, just go ahead. Yep, you're good. So could you just imagine if you were, you were walking around doing life and you could see people's, wait, don't go that way, don't go that way, stay in the middle. <laughs> if you could see people's baggage as if it was just always on their back like this. If that were the case, people would want to get that off all the time. Okay, you can, you can let me down. Could you imagine? And the reality is, if our baggage was visible like that, if it held that much physical weight, as, as strong as my brother is, he's, you know, whatever, his legs would eventually give out. They would eventually stop working, and he would fall down. And my body weight, if I didn't move, he wouldn't be able to get up. The same thing happens when we carry our burdens around. When we carry our past, our shames, the stuff we're holding on to, I promise it will eventually weigh you down and you won't be able to get up. Because we can't do it on our own. I, I have difficulty when people come up to me and they say, 
Zach, I just, I can't shake this. I can't do it. And I, I have trouble not laughing because, <laughs> duh, you can't do it. None of us can. That's why Jesus is there for us. That's why he's saying, just give it to me. I will carry it. That's why I took on the cross. That's why I said, it is finished. When people say to me, yeah, I just, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm strong enough. What does it is finished mean in the world today? Does it mean something different? Because it means it's over. It's done. It's complete. No questions asked. No going back. When we say that we are a follower of Jesus, he says, okay, give me your past. Give me your shame. Give me your strongholds. I will hold on to them, and I'm going to throw them as far as the east is from the west, and I'm going to forget about them, and so are you. That's what he says. All we have to do is be willing to do it. There aren't any requirements to lay down our burdens at his feet. We don't have to fill out a certain, like, sheet. We don't, like, go into the IRS or going to get our driving stuff renewed. We don't have to fill out all this stuff. It's just about saying, here it is. I give it to you. I'm done. I'm done trying to carry it. I'm done trying to do it on my own. We can live victoriously in the shadow of the cross. Knowing that Jesus took our sin, he took our shame, he took our burdens, our pain, and he said, enough is enough, that will have no hold on you any longer. You are set free because of what I am doing right now, and you never have to go back, ever. Jesus is enough. And not only is it him taking it away, but he then says, don't worry, I got you, fam. He's, he's like, I got you. Don't worry. I'm even going to give you rest. So not only do you feel the weight of the world taken off your shoulder, but now you get to go rest. You get to go relax. You get to enjoy my presence. That's how incredible Jesus is. So stop carrying your old self on your shoulders. Let God lift your heavy burden completely so that you're able to live in the freedom that Jesus brings. And number two, as the band comes back up, it says, when you lay your burden down, you take on a new burden to share your freedom with all people. You take on a new burden to share your freedom with all people. Now, the difference with these two burdens, the first burden, it's a weight to carry. It's heavy. It's hard. It's difficult. But the second, way, the second burden, it's a light to shine. It's pure. It's holy. It's full of love and grace. And it's the easiest thing that you could ever carry in your life. There's nothing more fulfilling than being able to share the freedom that Jesus brings with the rest of the world. When you lay your life down before God, that means you don't have time to dwell on your past. You don't have time to think about the things that are holding you back. Because your focus turns into two things. As Jesus said, the two greatest commandments, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. 
It doesn't say, and then you can think about your past, and then you can think about the struggle in your life, and then you can go and, and pity yourself and, and sit in your sorrows. That's, that's not in there. If that's in there, I haven't read it, and I don't think I ever will. Jesus says, love me and love people. When we do that, we don't have time to dwell on the things that are holding us back, the strongholds that are tearing us down, because we are living in freedom. And this passage, it talks about worship. It's our true and proper worship. I truly believe that when we worship, that there is a freedom that comes and surrounds us like nothing else. But this worship isn't just about singing songs. And our, the, our worship here is incredible. God has blessed us with some amazing talent. But more than that, he's blessed us with his presence when we worship. But it's so much more than that. It's going out, living every single day in worship to God. So that means worship, worshiping him in your actions. Worship, worshiping him in your thoughts, in your words, in what you are doing, in how you are speaking, in the conversations that you're having, that becomes a daily worship to God. And I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, this, this freedom that I'm talking about, it takes sacrifice. But I, I think it's an easy sacrifice. It's, it's sacrificing yourself, the self in you the pride in you, the arrogance, the ignorance in you. It's saying, that has no place in my life anymore because the only thing that matters is making the name of Jesus famous. The only thing that matters is seeing people come into the kingdom of God. The only thing that matters is that people are set free the way that I was set free. It's time, church, that we stop looking at the past dwelling on the past and looking at the present and to the future in the freedom that Jesus brings. Knowing that God has taken on our burdens, he's lifted them off of our shoulders, and we can be free in Christ forever. Forever. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's take on the burden of Jesus tonight. Let's lay down whatever it is that's holding us back from that freedom that comes in a relationship with Jesus. Set it at his feet. And say, enough is enough. I'm done trying to carry it. I'm, try I'm done trying to hold the load. I'm going to live freely in your victory, in your provision, in your power, in your healing, knowing that he is enough. With every head bowed, every eye closed. We do this every week. And I truly believe that this is the most important thing that we could ever do. It's the opportunity to accept Jesus. And so maybe you're here tonight, and I've been talking about a burden and how Jesus can take it 
and you've, you've never experienced the love of Jesus before. Or maybe you're here and you have experienced the love of Jesus, but you've walked away. You've, you've taken on these things in your life, these strongholds, and you just want to be set free. What I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, you don't have to do anything crazy. I just want you to raise your hand as a sign showing that you want to accept Jesus into your heart to make him the Lord of your life. One, two, three. Go on and raise your hand. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I see those hands. Anyone else? Anyone else want to raise your hand in here tonight? All right. You can put your hands down. For the sake of those people who raised their hand, would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I need you. I surrender at your feet. Take my burdens. Take my shame. I give it to you. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past, of my present, and my future. I make you the Lord of my life. Set me free today. I am yours. I love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. And so, Father, tonight we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the way that you've moved in this place. God, I pray that the people that raise their hands, that they would experience you and encounter you right now in such a real way that their lives would never be the same again. And God, I pray for the people who have something to lay down, that they would do it tonight, that they wouldn't hold on to it any longer, but they would be set free in you because who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so God, we lay our lives at your feet because you are all that we need. God, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name.